Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Harrison Burton, driver of the number 12 Dex Imaging Toyota Camry, and you're listening to Pit Stop with Tim Despain. Live from Talladega, you're in the Pit Stop with Tim Despain and Stephen Wilson on the Speedway Digest Radio Network, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher Radio, and your Apple Podcast. Good evening from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. You're in the pit stop. Tim Spain, Stephen Wilson, Speedway Digest Radio Network. We have our Reverend uh, coming on right now, and we're gonna go ahead and get the invocation going. We've got a big show tonight. We got Dave Marcus coming up on it, coming on at the bottom of the hour. Reverend Joe, how you in bed doing tonight, bud? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. Have y'all got moved? Uh, from the northwest down to the southwest yet? Not quite. We've got some uh, buddies up there packing. I'm down here waiting for the container to get here so I can unload it. And we got a million things going on, but it's moving. So we should have. Um, we should be completely moved before the end of July, but I'm hoping a little sooner than that. I understand, Reverend. Thank you very much for taking that taking your time out to come on with all that going on there, moving and doing our immigration. We really appreciate it. No problem. Always glad to do it. I'm just thrilled to do it. So shall we get this party started? Yes, sir. Crank it up, Reverend. Lord, we come before you today and we thank you for another safe weekend of racing. We ask you to please be with all the racers all over the world, all the fans, all the officials, all the people that work on the cars, not only on the weekend when they're working on the cars and at the track, but at home while they're working on the cars and back in their shops. Watch over all of them, protect them. Watch over all, everyone involved with auto racing and watch over our wonderful country. We thank you for that use, the fact that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and that because of him and our faith in him, we don't need to suffer. Once we die, we can move straight on into heaven. So please watch over all of us. Bless us all. Be with us all. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe. Thank you. 
Great invocation, Reverend. Let everyone know where they can follow you at on your social media sites, your Twitter, and I'm going to go ahead and call myself out. Yes, sir, I was supposed to call you this past weekend <laughs> to help you with the Twitter, but I had a lot going on. I had a lot going on, and I apologize that. I apologize for that. Uh, just, <laughs> just let everybody know they can follow you at on Facebook, Twitter, and on track with Jesus. So, yeah, I remember what it is, bud. You got the flow. So that's good. You got that part right. Uh, yes, sir. On track with Jesus. That, you got that. Okay, good. Uh, on track with Jesus dot org is our website. On track with Jesus at AOL dot com is my email address. My phone number is nine five one two three two seven six three zero. I post under Rev Joe Bubbaco on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Rev Joe Bubbaco, I believe. And uh, I seem to be able to follow them. I haven't figured out exactly how to tweet. I did get one tweet through to somebody last week, but I'm not sure if it went to the right person. You, did, you didn't send it to Donald Trump or anybody, did you, Reverend? You, you didn't hit the wrong button, did you? No, no, I wasn't going to make that mistake. I, 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 besides, he'd have to write to me first and tell me he wanted to talk because he didn't have an appointment with me. <laughs> Like I said, Reverend, I apologize. I will get with you uh, maybe uh, tomorrow evening or something. I'll shoot you a text because I haven't got that much going on tomorrow. But anyway, Reverend, thank you very much. And good luck to you and me on your move from up there in the northwest down to the southwest. And uh, thank you again for being Johnny on the spot. We really do appreciate it. Tell Miss Betty we said hello, and we'll talk at you next weekend, next Tuesday, buddy. We'll do that. God bless you guys. See you then. Okay. God bless you too, Reverend. See you, buddy. All right, that Reverend Joe there. But at this time, uh, we've got Stephen Wilson done popped up. I've already introduced him as uh, CEO of SpeedwayDowDish.com. But, with Stephen, we got a lot to talk about. I'm going to bring Stephen in with a bomb. Let's bring Stephen in. Oh. Well, Stephen, that was the bomb I wanted to bring you in. Hold on a minute. i got another button. Here we go. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. How you doing, my friend? Everything going on? Uh, going pretty good up there in the Commonwealth. Well, I'm congested tonight, so aside from that fact, I guess I'm all right. You do sound congested. I'll try to help out where I where I can. You know, I got this old red deck draw down here, and I'm, you know, you do really great with your uh, with your. Uh, can I say it if you don't mind your proper voice? I ain't got no proper voice. I'm from the South like you are. I'm from here right around Richmond, so I mean, I talk. I, I'm from the country, so I, I I talk just as uh yeah. I mean, you know how we are around here. So I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, you know how it is. Yes, sir. Ten four. I've been up there. You know, Suzanne and I've been up there to uh to Richmond. Well, um. Uh, but before we get started, uh, the boys are out of school. I seen on uh, social media where AM's got this big spring picture thing going on, and she had to pick you up from work. And I don't want to go into all that, but uh, but the boys are out of school, so I guess they're. Oh, oh and I want to mention this too. I forgot to mention it last week. Uh, Anne Marie started like a little. But y'all were doing like a little raised bed garden deal, and y- y'all got your first jalapeno pepper. Was it last week, Stephen? Yeah, I think it was like last week or something like that. 
got the first uh, pepper or something that finally came in. I don't know. She's got two or three other things growing in there. She's got a pumpkin growing, too, and some tomatoes and uh, uh, I don't know, some other stuff in there. I don't know. There's, there's two or three different things in there. She's got an ex, she's still got another raised garden on the other side. And I don't know. I, I'm, I, I've got a grapevine out in the back that we've had for years. I keep saying every year that I'm going to go back there and do something with it. And Every year I cut the thing down to make sure it keeps coming back, and I don't do anything with it every year. And I, I guess this year I need to actually go back there because as a kid, I tell you what, we used to have some of the best grapes that you ever want to have off that thing. I mean, uh, it, I mean they put anything to shame that you could go to a farmer's market to and, or to the store and get. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, they're right here in the backyard. So I guess I need to actually do something with them this year. And, Stephen, you bring up a good point, you know, talking about Anne Marie there. You know, she's got her tomato plants and all that stuff, too. And Which here, I, Suzanne and I, we really don't have a good spot. I mean, I could build some raised beds, but my neighbor over here, Gerald, Gerald Bevel, he has an awesome garden every year, so I don't have to worry about tomatoes. But you bring up a good point, like I said, a homegrown tomato off the vine Tastes 125% better than that tomato you're going to buy in the Piggly Wiggly, correct? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, that stuff that you go out there and buy, that, I mean, that, I don't know, you know, uh, you know, we've got a couple farmers markets and a lot of field around here. There's, uh, I mean, I'm in the country, so, I mean, there's a lot of field around here, so there's people growing things. But, yeah, you go to the market or wherever you want to go, uh, Walmart, Food Line, or you know, where, wherever, you know, Kroger's, wherever you go. I mean, yeah, you go get something out of a garden, it's, yeah, you're right, it's 125% better, times better than anything you're ever going to go get at your market. You know, that's, that's just, I don't know, there's something different about it. It is, Stephen. It is. And to make you one of them good tomato sandwiches with some good fresh bread and put all that Duke's mayonnaise. I sound like I'm, a, like I'm in Victory Lane or something. Duke's mayonnaise all <laughs> yeah, over there. Yeah, Duke's, Duke's mayonnaise. That's, I tell you what, I mean, Duke's mayonnaise, they're from right here in Richmond, Virginia. So, you know, it, it, you know, most people, they go go get that Hellman's and, you know, all that other mess that they go get in the stores. You know, around here in Virginia, man, you go and get Duke's mayonnaise around here. Uh, that's just a that's just a Virginia thing around here. You don't you don't go buy the you don't go get no uh, Hellman's mayonnaise or you don't get no other you know other mess they got on the shel- uh, shelf. You know, uh, Duke's for the longest time the Sawyer Company they 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 sponsored a lot of stuff in NASCAR uh, with. Uh, uh man, my my brain is not working hundred percent tonight, but uh oh man, number ninety seven car. Um good lord out of Richmond. Uh Sawyer Company. No no Chad Little, I'm trying to think. Okay. Uh Junie Donlevy. Junie Donlevy. Yeah. They, they, yeah, yeah, they they were on that car for a long, long time, so 
you know, you, you, you know, Dukes and all that from C.F. Sawyer. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, they've done in NASCAR for a long time. And like I say, you, you go and you go and get Dukes mayonnaise around here. Exactly, Stan. You bring up a good point there. Throwing, throwing it back here, Jeannie, Jeannie, Jeannie Dunlavey there, just, you know, right there close to you and Dukes mayonnaise and all that. That sort of brings me to my next point. I guess we're going to throw Dave Marcus in there. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we've got uh, NASCAR legend, Mr. Dave Marcus, who will be coming on and talking about whatever we want to talk about. He is at a event in Detroit. Uh, I guess some type of motorcycle deal or something, but he's up there in Detroit. He's going to step out and call in at the bottom of the hour. we got a lot to talk about with uh, him also, Stephen. And uh, the 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 uh, sprint uh, – here I go again. I'm just going to quit trying this. Almost, the Cup Series was in uh, Pocono, also with uh, the Xfinity Series. The trucks were at Texas Motor Speedway, which my our our good friend, uh, Timothy Peters, ended up on his lid. And uh, some of that YouTube uh, video stuff there, I mean, it was looking pretty awesome. But I didn't get to stay up that late and watch it. But uh, I'm glad Timothy's okay. But, Stephen, uh, Ryan Blaney. Uh, got his first past weekend there at Pocono and he was really excited and he uh, abided by his rule that he was not going to do a burnout. He did not do a burnout after he won his first cup race and for Wood Brothers, that's their uh, first win since 2011 with uh, Trevor Bain at Daytona and that is their 99th win for the Wood Brothers. You want to talk a little bit about that, Stephen? Then we'll sort of play some of the audio there with Ryan Blaney in the media center at Pocono. Yeah, you know, that's a little fun fact on that. You know, I was at that win in 2011 at the Daytona 500. So that that was kind of cool that, you know, I was there uh, for that win. And uh, seeing, that, seeing that on Sunday with uh, Trevor Bain, uh, uh, I'm sorry, you know, with Trevor Bain back in 2011, put the Wood Brothers in Victor Lane. Uh, for for those that may not remember, uh, him and Jeff Gordon, they 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 battled all day long uh, to put that number 21 back into Daytona Victor Lane, put Wood Brothers in the Daytona 500. So that was their 98th victory. But this past weekend, you know Ryan Blaney, he's been on he's 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 won the pole for them this year. He's been on the outside pole. He's finished in the top five multiple times. He's had some bad luck this year. Um, it, it's been it's been uh, you know one of those seasons where we came into the season and a lot of people were thinking that you know Ryan Blaney and uh, Chase Elliott. Would, would have that sophomore slump. And both of these drivers really have done an, an impeccable job this year. But, you know, Ryan Blaney here in the last couple of weeks, I mean, they had two axles back-to-back where they just, both both events, they went to Charlotte and then he went to Dover, and both of them had, had axle issues, uh, putting them behind. They came in. They started on the outside yet again. I mean, sorry, started on the second row uh, there at Pocono. They were very fast. Uh, 
battled up front in top five all day long. And towards the end there with about uh, 13-14 to go, uh, got around Kyle Busch. He didn't have any tires. He elected not to take any tires on where everybody else behind him did. And then had to battle Kevin Harvick, who was right there on his rear the entire time. And uh, brought that to victory lane for the 99th win for the Wood Brothers, who are based here, right here in my home state of Virginia, and have been a long time uh, part of the uh, Ford uh, camp and have been sponsored by Ford, who has uh, has stuck by them for since the 1940s. Uh, they are the, the oldest continuously operating NASCAR team um, in existence since the 1940s. They predate NASCAR itself. Uh, with the Wood Brothers, the original Glenn and uh, those guys over there. So, I mean, that's really good to see them come back in the victory lane. And, you know, they're now one win away uh, from making it to that 100 uh, magic mark uh, for those guys. So it's really good. They're going back to Michigan this week. So uh, what better place? I mean, they've had a lot of good runs out there, too, with a lot of different drivers. So... You know, getting Wood Brothers back into Victor Lane, I mean, what else can you say? But uh, that's a lot of nostalgia right there, and I think it's a very popular win for, for NASCAR itself. Exactly, Stephen. Uh, myself and uh, Public Relations Director here at Talladega Super Speedway, Mr. Russell Brown, we were texting after that race, and uh, you brought up a good point there right there at the end. Russell said that is an awesome win for Ryan Blaney, and he said it's an awesome win the sport talking about wood brothers there you know the legendary wood brothers that's what russell was talking about whenever he texted me sunday afternoon it this should really help the sport some of your back in the day like chocolate myers always said some of your old time race fans this i'm hoping going to bring a lot of people back but uh Stephen, let's listen to a little bit about uh, i'm sorry go ahead one more point and, and one more point on this with wood brothers He's the 19th driver to take the number 21 Wood Brothers Ford to victory lane in those and in those 99 wins. Just 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 for a little factual point there, at the to kind of cap that off. That's a good factual point. I'll throw one back at you, Russell Branham, uh, public relations right here at Tidal Speedway, named his named his son after David Pearson. His first name is Pearson. Just to throw that out there, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Steve. Let's listen to a little bit of uh, what uh, our good friend Matt Matt Hunt for MC there in the media center at Pocono had to when he when he brought Ryan Blaney on after his first Cup Series victory, and it comes at the Tricky Triangle there at Pocono Raceway. We'll step aside, listen to this. We'll be right back. If I could have your attention here in the media center, we'll now begin our winner's press conference here for the Exalta presents the Pocono 400 here at Pocono Raceway in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. And we're joined by the race-winning team, driver Ryan Blaney of the number 21 Motorcraft Quick Lane Ford for the Wood Brothers Racing, crew chief Jeremy Bullens, and car owners Lynn and Eddie Wood. Just a few notes here. This is win number 99 for the iconic Wood Brothers Racing Team. 
and the first since 2011. Wood Brothers have now won at least one Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race in each of the last six decades. And the win clinches a spot in the 2017 NASCAR playoffs for Ryan Blaney. And Ryan, youth overpowered experience today. Please walk us through the, the pass of Kyle Busch and holding off Kevin Harvick for the win. Yeah, so um, we did a great job. I say we, Jeremy Bones and everybody did a great job of positioning ourselves to restart towards the front on tires uh, when the 18 stayed out. He looked to be the best car all day, and uh, it's almost a curse when you're that good. Everyone just kind of does the opposite of what you do uh, in that situation. And, you know, we've been on the bad side of that before. But uh, once we got to second, uh, I knew he was going to fall off pretty hard, and it was just a matter of getting by him before uh, everyone else, all the other really fast cars on, you know, our strategy uh, got to second as well or got to us. Um, and it was a pretty good race uh, to get by Kyle there at the end of the race. And, and then having to hold Kevin off uh, was really tough. He was fast all day, and you, know, you just got to not mess up and hit your marks and, and take airway. And, you know, props to him. He drove me really clean, and, and I have the utmost respect for him uh, doing that. And I've seen him win uh, countless races passing cars within the last 10 laps. And um, he's, he does a great job at that. But, you know, thank you to him again for racing me clean. But, it was exciting in the car for sure. Hopefully it was exciting for the fans. And um, like I said, we just put ourselves in a spot to uh, capitalize on it uh, like, we, uh, like we did today. Now, Jeremy, this 21 team have had speed the whole season, consistent speed. You guys have been so close. What has been the key to really getting this 21 car up front and in position to win week in and week out? Just experience. I mean, we, you know, we started this thing part-time in 2015, uh, built the team, you know, put people together, um, you know, made – changes here there throughout and you know have a group of people now that I feel like can compete as a team with anybody um, we've had good cars all year um, we've had good speed all year and um, the last few weeks we've been really fast and just had some unfortunate things happen but I felt like we were in a position a couple times to, to take advantage of that and um, you know today we we put it all together and overcame some stuff and it all worked out Lynn and Eddie this question is for the both of you you've had so many legendary drivers in the seat of that 21 car. What makes this guy sitting to your left so special? Uh, he's special, all right. I mean, <laughs> when, when, when we, you know, we, like Jeremy said, we, we put the thing deal together in 2015, and right away you knew, you, had, you know, Ryan was going to be special because it, he just had speed. You know, everywhere we went, he had speed, and, and that's something that it doesn't come easily. And, um, you know, we were on a brand-new team. Everybody was new, young. And it just, um, every week, you know, we had, we had fast cars. And, and, you know, a lot of it is, is, is due to the driver. And, and, you know, with, you know, our alliance with uh, Team Penske, that um, is second to none. That just really makes a big difference. And, you know, Jeremy came over to be our crew chief. And uh, it just all worked out. Um, you know, Blaney is he's on his way now. It's... Uh, you know, he outrun two guys today that are champions, and um, and they're at the top of their game. And and to outrun them um, to win a race here, uh, this is a, one of the toughest tracks that we go to. Uh, always has been, and um, I'm really really proud of him. And uh, he's here. He he's he's arrived now. Lynn, about you. You know, I think uh, when he pulled those rookie stripes off in Daytona, it. It made a difference in him. Um, I won't call it more aggressive, but it kind of. 
um, and he's and it shows every week. You know, we've been we've been fast everywhere we've been. We've had issues. Um, you know, we were very close to a win at Texas, very close at uh, Kansas, and it kind of dawned on me. I said, you know, we're not going to win a race where we, you know, it's expected that day. We'll win somewhere that we don't expect it, and it was here today. Outstanding. We're going to open the floor for questions. We're going to start with Holly, and then we'll go to Zach. Holly Kane, NASCAR.com. Ryan, um, you know, you, you have had other opportunities where you were out front or something, you know, came up. Did it help not having the communication back with the pits because I know of the, of the radio issues? Were you yes. able... <laughs> <laughs> did, did that put you kind Thanks, of in man. your in only your own head, so to speak? And did you drive any differently this time? Like this is not going to happen again. I'm going to win this race. Yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, I was saying we should just unplug my microphone more, so I'm not complaining as much throughout the race. But uh, you know that was a no one of the just one of the problems that we had. We had a loose wheel early and, and had to come back down and after that and, and we didn't have track position after that and there were such little cautions here that you couldn't drive your way back up there unless you were just lights out better than anybody else so that's where they did a great job of putting us in a spot to where we're have a have a shot at, at the end but you know the old hand on the door for for was it tight hand on the door doors tight yeah. doors tight <laughs> roof was loose and thumb up thumb down if it was good or not or key the mic because they could hear the mic key, they just There's couldn't hear me. a lot of Morse me. code. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it might have, yeah, I could say it maybe put you in your own head a little bit more if you're not, uh, you know, you're not talking as much. And, uh, no, I would still key the radio. And, and I actually forgot the radio was broken after the last pit stop. I was trying to talk, and I was, they were like, yeah, we can't, we still can't hear you. It's not, <laughs> I completely forgot it was still, <laughs> still broken. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely something I've never had happen before. Um, but uh, luckily I could hear them and, and we were able to work something out. Um, I didn't really drive any, any differently than I would have uh, before. You just try not to make mistakes, you know, one little mistake and, and he was going to get by us pretty easy and you try to hit your marks like you do all day. And, and uh, I think what really was able to hold him off is uh, I started downshifting in the tunnel turn and he was doing that when when laps got on our tires and I was able to you know keep us RPMs up and, and get runs off that corner so that I thought that was the game changer that brought us to kind of even with him or, or at least closer to him but uh, I, didn't, I didn't really drive anything different you just try the best you can to to focus and do what you do all day which is hit your marks and, and try to make mistakes. We'll go next to Zach and then to Lee. Zach Sterniello from the Pocono Record. Uh, I want to talk first about this weekend. I have two questions for you. But this weekend I know was special for you, especially seeing Bubba make his first start here, um, getting the picture before this race. Uh, take me through, and also being able to, to, to hold off champions like Harvick and Kyle Busch there, how special was this victory for you personally? Yeah, we need Bubba in the Cup Series more. One start he makes, I win the race. <laughs> he needs to keep running. But uh, uh, that was cool to have him. I don't, I don't know where he finished. I know they had problems on pit road or something like that. But um, you know, I was behind him a little bit, and he seemed to be doing a really great job. But I know that was special for him. But you know, 
to me, obviously your first win special, and to do it with the Wood Brothers and at a place where I vividly remember coming and watching my dad race here uh, so much was uh, is really special as well. And this is a hard racetrack. This is a one of the toughest racetracks we go to of playing with where to shift, how to shift, uh, what your car needs. It's three completely different corners. And uh, I felt like we were super strong through one in the tunnel and, and struggled in three, and you're going to have that. And, uh, you know, it's just really neat to be able to get these guys their 99th win, and, and hopefully we can go for 100 here. We'll go to Lee, then to Kay Lee, and then to Joseph. Lee Spencer, Motorsport.com. Have you talked to Dave yet? I haven't had my phone. No, I'm, I'm excited to get back and, and, uh, and talk to him. They had a big night last night up at Sharon Speedway. Um, my dad's racetrack and uh, Motocraft actually sponsored that night forward to Motocraft. That was a big deal uh, for them to put that fan appreciation night on. And uh, good fortune, I guess. They, they do something like that and we go win the race. That, uh, that was pretty cool, but I haven't talked to them yet. Fortune, Andy, you sent me a, a copy of your lottery ticket last night, and obviously you're here because you didn't win the lottery. <laughs> but is, is this better than winning the lottery, having your, you know, protege in victory lane? Yeah, yeah, this is way better. This um, <clears throat> this will last forever. I mean, those, every win you get is very, very special, and especially when you get, like, Ryan's first win. And we've had a number of, you know, kids that come through our car that uh, – won the first race in our car. Dale Jarrett did, Kyle did. And uh, to be part of that, that now he's, you know, we can always say he won his first race with us. And it'll always be that way. But it was just, it was a great day. And like the, the radio thing. And I mean, it was just like us going back to the to the old days with, with no radios. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> he asked, you, you asked about uh, which it was. We used to have a piece of gray tape on the dash that would have roof loose, door push, and you, you know that's what you went by, and uh, it just kind of took me back. And then right there at the end, the way he was trying to get away from Harvick, and you know dropping down to the inside like that. Neil Bonnet did that in 1980 here, and uh, went on, went on to win the race. And just I don't know, it just it's like I had flashbacks. It's really cool. He's like the 21st driver to win in our car too. Really? Yeah. Number that's 21. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Take that one to the casino. Let's go to Kaylee. <laughs> Kaylee Davis, ESPN.com. Ryan, um, I had an interview with your dad here <coughs> 10 years ago, actually, in the, in the late race. And what we talked about was trying to stay in the top 35, you know, just so he was guaranteed to start the next week. And now here you are not very far from where your dad grew up in Victory Lane. What does it feel like to put the Blaney name in Victory Lane in – the pinnacle of the sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, my dad grew up not too far from here. He was kind of on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border in Hartford. But uh, to do it so close to where he grew up, and like I said, I remember this place so much. Uh, we always had a bunch of family come out here and, um, and always watch this race because he's, he's from right down the road. But, uh, yeah, that actually, he just dawned that on me that, uh, you know, my dad never unfortunately won in the Cup Series, and even though feel like if he would have got the right opportunities, he would have done very well. Uh, and that's that's something that just dawned on me. Thanks for reminding me of that. It, that's really cool. We won. Uh, it was really special a few weeks ago. We won at Charlotte in the Xfinity Series where he won his uh, it was Bush back then. Uh, that was his one Bush win. And, and now to do it uh, this week, getting uh, uh, Blaney in the Cup Series and Victory Lane. That's really that's really neat. I just just figured. Stephen, that was uh, Dave Blaney there in the media center at Pocono 
Raceway, the Tricky Triangle, after he won his, after he won his first Cup Series race, uh, Wood Brothers 99th. But at this time, we have uh, NASCAR legend, Mr. Dave Marcus. Let's bring him into the pit stop with Tim Payne and Stephen Wilson. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Dave, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fine, doing fine. Just got back from fishing. Fishing? I thought you was going to be at a motorcycle event in Detroit. That's what JP told me. <laughs> no, we, I took my grandson fishing this afternoon, and he caught a 17-inch crappie. Whoa, good Lord, Dave. That is a big crappie, bud. That's pretty rare, I'll tell you that. I, uh, you don't get many like that in a lifetime if you get any. No, sir. I think I caught one years ago, Dave, here in Talladega. I don't remember if I was on the river or in a little old lake or something. I think I caught one that was two pounds and two and three-quarter pounds, which I didn't, you know, back then we didn't measure length. But, you know, that's a pretty good size for a crappie too, Dave. Yes, it is. That's right up there at 17 inches, yep. Anyway, Dave, I want to thank you very much for taking time to come out, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to come on. I've got my good friend Stephen Wilson, uh, SpeedwayDigest.com. He's up in the Commonwealth of Virginia, just right outside of Richmond. But Dave, I want to talk a little bit about if I can, which I know I got to interview at the interview at the Wild Game Cookoff this past first uh, of March here at Talladega. And thank you very much for that. But uh, Pocono, we're coming off the big race weekend there at Pocono where you probably just heard some of the media center interview where Ryan Blaney won his first cup series race and uh Wood Brothers 99th cup series race. Yeah, that now, was, uh, I actually watched the tail end. I was very happy for the Woods brothers and him also. Yes, sir. That was a great race. And I was very happy too. uh, which I had texted Russell. I think I mentioned earlier on, on the show, Russell Branham here at, uh, Talladega. I said, I had texted him. I said, that's it. That's awesome for Ryan Blaney, and he said that's awesome for the sport, too, also, Dave, with the Wood Brothers winning. Yep, yep, it is. But, Dave, I want to go back. Uh, uh, you said you watched the tail end of the race there. The 48 and the one car, uh, late in the race there, they both come into turn one there. They both had just about simultaneously brake failures. The 48 hit really hard. The one hit hard, and the one come on back around, which caught on fire. And back in uh, 1999, uh, there for the Pocono 500, uh, you had a big crash in turn two. He was on the high side. Brett Bodine come come under you, racing the real tree number 71 Chevrolet there. And that was before the Safer Bears. And I've watched the video over and over and over back in the day, and I've watched it now. And you actually hit the concrete wall a ton. Dave, can you talk a little bit about that and sort of explain the difference? That I mean, was, you know, the, that was ahead, probably Dave. one of the one of the toughest hits that I probably had in my entire career. Uh, yeah, uh, Brett Bodine hit me in the uh, left rear and spun me up in there, and I hit that outside wall, across that tunnel turn. And uh, you know, when you see when that car hits that wall, that them steel barrier walls that they had had up there in those days with the dirt on the back of them didn't give so that that car just actually it stopped and then it slid up the wall and then when it got above the wall it started spinning again and uh yeah that was uh that was a very very tough accident that uh you know them them you, you feel them for a while i can tell you <laughs> i bet you did that and that was back before the hans device also 
and watching yes, the video, watching the video, and it was uh, TNN broadcast there. You could see where they put slow mo down. Your actual helmet, your head hit hit the window net just right in front of the beefos. Do you remember mm-hmm. that, Dave? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it, you know, <laughs> it didn't knock me completely out, but what it does, it knocks all the air out of your lungs, and you can't catch your breath, and you, you keep gasping for air. And, and that's why I sat in the car a while. I told them, just give me a chance to get some breath. I'm, I'm choking. I can't breathe. And, you, you know, it, it takes a while because it, it, it knocks the air right out of you. And, uh, Dave, I got a couple more questions. I don't want to take up all your time. I want Stephen to have some time. But you and I had spoke, and I want to get this out to our listeners also. Uh, you are synonymous for your wingtip shoes and your Goodyear hat. And you and I talked. You told me the story about the wingtips, and you told me the story about the Goodyear hat, which I think you told me you had six, seven, eight, ten cases of Goodyear hats. And the gentleman that told you, you said your your feet were getting hot on the floor pan there in the car. Uh can we start with the wingtip shoes and then go to the Goodyear hat, if you don't mind, sir? Well, the wingtip shoes came about back in the days. You, you know, we didn't have as good as insulation and stuff as you do today. And, of course, we were running the big block engine, so the exhaust pipes and all uh, were right up against the floorboards. There wasn't as much room under the floor panels and stuff. So a lot of us had trouble with burning our heels on them floorboards, especially on the short tracks, on the foot that you keep on the throttle all day long. And Bobby Allison had just burnt his heel pretty bad and was limping. We were at North Wilkesboro. He come limping up uh, Pitt Road uh, early in the morning there before the race, and David Pearson and I and Richard Petty uh, were standing there talking, and I think somebody, Richard or somebody said, look at poor Bobby there. He's limping pretty bad. And we got talking about that, and... uh, I said, you know, I had burnt mine earlier, but I, uh, but you know, mine was fine then. But David said to me, he said, "Haven't you got some shoes with leather soles?" And I said, "Well, just my uh, my dress shoes are Dexter wingtips." And uh, he said, "Well, where are they?" I said, "They're out there in the trunk in my suitcase in the car." He said, "Well, go get them and wear them today." So I did, and it didn't burn my my heel. And uh, North Wilkesboro was one of the places where that would happen like Martinsville, Bristol, those those type of racetracks. And, uh, I, you know, I wore them again on another short track or so. Then the race fans start picking up on them, so I just continued to wear them the rest of my career. And the Goodyear hat deal, well, uh, you know, I always respected Goodyear, and Goodyear has done a tremendous, tremendous amount for the sport, more so, than I think, than any any other Sponsors, I mean, Unical done a lot for the sport too, but as far as supplying the teams and, and treating them right and being fair to everybody, uh, and Goodyear helped me throughout my career, and, and I respect them for that, and, and uh, I like the Goodyear hat. I like the way they fit, the way they feel, and when I retired, Phil Homer gave me like eight cases of hats so I wouldn't run out, so I still continue to wear my Goodyear hats today. And Dave, before I throw you over to Stephen, uh, I'll text uh, I'll text Johnny Ponder here in a little bit, and I'll tell him that you caught a six pound crappie. How's that? 
because you know you always got <laughs> you always got a stretch you're stretching, head, you're you stretching it. <laughs> I don't like he it. actually called hey. he actually called me this afternoon when I was on the lake fishing. Did he? Now yes, he I did. listen to I listen to him and Grady every morning when I go to work at Kids Valley Electric. I listen to him every morning, and you know he JP, does a good job. He does. He actually does, Dave, and he comes up with some of them old stories about moonshining and about planting <laughs> old garden. I mean, he comes up with some stuff, and him and Grady, they just carry on. I love listening to them. In my, but anyway, uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I, I know Stephen has two, three, four, five questions, if you can, Dave. But thank you very much for calling in. Myself and Suzanne really appreciate it. I know Stephen does. But uh, I'll sort of try to figure out a good fish story, and I'm – I might call in Thunder in the morning and sort of tell something on you if that's okay. Okay, that's fine. All right, thanks, Dave. Appreciate you. Yep, yep. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Dave. Go ahead, Steve. Yep, bye-bye. Dave, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. Did you hang up on us? Damn, you there? Yeah, I got you, Stephen. He might have, looks like he might have dropped. Yeah, I got you, Stephen. Looks like Dave might have dropped. I don't know if he, I don't think he accidentally hung, I, I, don't, I don't know if he dropped. But anyway, talking about that, Stephen, maybe David call back in here in a minute because I know I wanted you to ask him a ton of questions. I figured you was going to go into the IROC deal there also. But, uh, he brought up a good point, you know, uh, the 1999 Pokemon 500 there uh, with him, Brett Bodine under him, and I'm pretty sure you've watched the video a thousand times like I have. He he hit the wall a ton, and it was a concrete wall there. There was no safer bears. And when TNN played that, played that video slow, you could see his head coming and hitting the window net just right in front of the B post, Stephen. Maybe he'll call back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, back in those days, you know, that's a whole lot different than it is today. You know, the safety initiatives that are in, that have improved over time. But you know, I I was uh, yeah, I remember a lot of those you know those accidents in those days, and those drivers would, you know, you're right. Uh, they would hit some of these walls, and you know, they 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 you know now they have six point harnesses instead of four point harnesses, and you know, they got headrests that wrap all the way around to keep them from hitting that B-post in there. Full-face helmets, things of that nature. Haunt devices, as you were talking about. The safer barriers. You know, all these improvements that have been made over time. Uh, you know, I, I was there in 2005 when, you know, at Richmond, when uh, Jerry Nadeau happened to hit the wall right there in turn one. And uh, they had to cut him out of the car, uh, similar to what, uh, we saw with uh, Eric Almarola just here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, similar incident hit the wall. They had to cut the whole top of the car off just to get him out. Uh, you know, had uh, you know, had we been talking safer barriers and uh, you know, Hans devices and six-point harnesses and you know, uh, form-fitting seats and uh, you know, the different safety measures in place so that uh, Jerry may do. I think uh, you know, he he may potentially uh still be in a race car today uh versus uh you know the injuries that he sustained in that accident because in two thousand five Richmond Hatton um 
put safe barriers in. There was no safe barriers there where he hit the wall. I mean, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you, you talk about some of the things that these drivers had seen, especially the increases in speeds over the years. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's some pretty nasty accidents. I mean, you have to go back and just look back to Friday night and what happened with Timothy Peters between him and Austin Wayne himself. Uh, you know, Tim, you know Tim, 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 Timothy, I mean, he, 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 uh, you know, he, he flipped that truck multiple, multiple times, barreled that truck, and then eventually pitch-pulled the truck, uh, landed on his roof, as and you start the show out on. And uh, he was able, you know, once they got it back on all, well, you know, what was left, I think he had two tires left on this thing, uh, you know, he was able to get out and walk away from this incident. Uh, you know, so that's just really just a testament to, you know, all this time and development and, research and you know everything that just goes into you know these race vehicles and all these just not only nascar and the teams but you know all these you know uh you take a look at simpson you take a look at you know uh you know the like the the randy lajoy that's put time into the seats now and uh multiple different other companies out there that are putting time into the safety measures inside of the 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 uh the, the race vehicle to, to make sure that these drivers are as safe as possible. But, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of comparisons can be made between, uh, you know, all the research and all the uh, data that's been collected over the years and are now being used to further enhance the safety of these vehicles for today. Yeah, Stephen, let me let me see if I can call uh, – I think we've done this one time before. Let me see if I can call Dave Marcus uh, – I don't know if we can get him or not. Let's see. Uh, let me check the number here. Okay. Let's see if we can call him. Let's see if we can get Dave back on. We'll try it. We ain't never done this like twice. Hey, this is pretty cool. <laughs> it's ringing. I don't know if he's going to answer Hey Dave. We dropped. He 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 must be in a bad spot, Stephen. He tried to answer. I apologize for that, listeners. I apologize to you, Stephen. But uh, he brought up a good point. You know, he was talking about Wilkesboro, and I I know you're a big fan of Wilkesboro, and I also worked for Mister Enix Daly uh, back in the day in the early '80s here at Tidewater Super Speedway. Mister Enix Daly and uh, that owned Wilkesboro. And Pete Sutcliffe from Daytona come up, and I've told his story a zillion times. I'm I'm not going to tell it, but actually, Wilkesboro, from what I understand, Dave talking is where he actually put the wingtips on and got in the car. So Wilkesboro, Dave Marcus, and NASCAR—that's a spot of history, bud. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so much history to run through that place that you know it is, you know, as as people continue, uh, you know, there's. There's a lot of history in there, uh, as, as as we continue to find out uh, over time. Uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, we we could talk about, we could dedicate almost an entire show to just that alone. Yeah, we could, Stephen. Stephen, let's see if we can call Dave Marcus one more time. I know he's trying to answer. He must be in a bad spot. We're going to try him one more time, then we're going to let him go. Let's see if we can get Dave Marcus. Here we go. Dialing for dollars. 
Just how big a boy is you? Walmart. Hello. Hey, Dave, it's Tim. Uh, I called you back. I think you dropped. Uh, Stephen Wilson has a couple questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Thanks, Dave. I'm going to throw you over to Stephen Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com. Stephen, you got Mr. Marcus. Y'all go ahead, bud. Yeah, so, you know, one of the first things that we really wanted to talk about or I I wanted to ask you about is for a long long time there, and I know a lot of fans that are out there probably don't remember this, but I certainly do, is that you did a lot of work with the IROC series out there. And for those that don't remember the IROC series, the IROC series ran for for, uh, nearly three decades out there as a as a matched series of cars purpose-built and drivers from around the world would get into these cars, but they would bring in drivers like you to test and to um, get their cars prepped and ready to go. Can you talk just a little bit about that series and and all the work and all all the time that you put in with them? Yeah, I worked with uh, Jay Signori on those uh, cars and Mark Donahue. Mark Donahue was actually the person that hired me to help do the testing with the IROC cars. And then I uh, actually tested out the uh, IROC cars for 32 years. And I got Jay to bring Jim Sauter aboard and help us some. And, of course, George Fulmer was always helping as well, uh, and uh, Dick Trickle. And uh, Jay, Jay Signori, you know, ran that series, and he just done a fantastic job of making those cars all equal. I mean, all the testing that we'd done to make those cars all equal, it was uh, it was quite a chore uh, to get 12 cars prepared identical. And, and the time that we would spend before each race, generally we would go to that racetrack on a Monday and each of us would run every car, and then we would tell Jay what, you know, if the brakes needed to, something done or if the car pulled left or the car pulled, just basically shake them down to make sure there weren't no vibrations and things like that. Then after that, we would do a speed run with the car, and each driver would drive each car, and then they, Jay would record those times and compare them. And then we'd try and put the cars in a group, like if there was like six or seven of them, that were a little bit faster, then we would take the other five and bring them up to speed with the rest of them. And, I mean, he went so far as to even take the engine out of the car that ran the fastest and put it in the car that was the slowest, trying to get him all all equal. They'd really done a fantastic job of having those cars prepared equal. And over the 30 years of that series, I mean, it really did bring to light the competition of many different drivers from many different disciplines from around the world. You know, unfortunately, you know, in in the end, you know, it it really became where drivers just were not able to, you know, the sponsorship obviously was an issue, as we all know. But, you know, drivers from around the world from these disciplines, it, it became down to a point where where you know these drivers just were not able to make the schedule per year and make it work uh in any semblance of way it, it, what really over the history did do you think 
its its lasting legacy really was in, in showing that competition across multi disciplines, um, you know, interdisciplines uh, really promote motorsports across the world or motorsports in general. Well, when when the series began, you know, we we had drivers from NASCAR, we had drivers from the Indy cars, we had drivers from the Formula One series, and so I worked with many of those drivers, and. And the Formula One guys, it was difficult for them. You know, they, they got race cars that are really to the perfection of the ultimate race car probably in the world. And to get in a stock car that weighs, uh, oh, I guess probably 23, 2400 pounds more than what their race car wears, with, and it don't turn as good, it don't have as much downforce, it don't have as good brakes, it don't have as much acceleration, it was quite a challenge for a lot of those guys, but they would come early and we would work with them throughout the week, test, draft, run side by side and nose to tail and all that kind of stuff because they weren't used to that. They don't run that much side by side and have a tire rub your door and things like that. And then also the Goodyear radio tire, when that came aboard and we start working with those, we ran those tires and tested a lot of them before they came into the NASCAR series or the Cup series. Uh, the radial tires we ran on the IROC cars. So, uh, but I mean, towards the end of the sport, we were starting to get too many NASCAR drivers involved. The reason for that, like you mentioned, it was too difficult of all the commitments of the drivers from different teams to get them all together on a given day. Like some of them would have a race in California, some of them would have a race somewhere else, or and it was just hard moving everybody around with helicopters and airplanes and get get that race in that we had to get in and then get them back to where they were racing at. So it, it just, you know, the Jay and Roger Penske and them, the people that involved that ran the sport, just felt like that it basically was ending up to be all stock car drivers, and that wasn't the intention of the series when it was started. I just want to, you know, for my last question, I just want to kind of switch gears. I know you kind of touched, you know, Tim was talking just a little bit, you know, about your incident at Pocono. You know, on Friday night, you know, Timothy Peters out here, he he flipped his truck at Texas Motor Speedway and barrel-walled a couple different times before he ended up pitch-poling and landing on his roof out there. Throughout the last, you know, quite some time, I guess for the last two or three years or so, the front balance on, on the vehicle as well as the, you know, the grass in the infield has, has become up as a discussion in the sport. But when you go back and you look at the sport in general, the grass, the dirt, the infield has always been there. The From my aspect and my opinion to this is that Engineers these days and the rule book has allowed the trucks and the the cars and the vehicles to get much closer to the ground, which is allowing them to dig into the dirt, causing these cars to flip. Back in the day, the ride heights were much higher on them. Is it time for NASCAR? Is it time for them to go back to a rules where picks the ride heights up on these vehicles um, to prevent some of these incidences from happening? 
Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's too much emphasis and stuff on aerodynamics today. I think it's hurt the sport, and obviously the race fans think so too because they're not in the grandstands like they used to be. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know things get better and improve, and you keep moving ahead, but there's there's so much emphasis on aerodynamics and all. I mean, if if one guy's got any kind of an advantage and he gets out front, like out of the pits or what have you, that's pretty much the way it stays until the next round of pit stops. And I don't think the race fans, that's not what they come to see. They come to see racing side by side, nose and tail, and tires rubbing now and then. And they don't really care, I don't think, if we were going 220 miles an hour or 180 miles an hour. They just want to see competition, close racing. And I think that's what they need to take a look at and get back to it. Um, I feel like the suspension setup that they're running them cars today, a big sway bar, real, real soft springs. Um, I th- I think we're making it very, very difficult for Goodyear to develop a tire under them situations because, and this is only my opinion, and I am not an engineer or a tire engineer, but I feel like they're trying to use the sidewall of the tires as the spring of the race car, and I think that's very, very difficult. Uh, because of different people, that everybody sets their car up a little bit different, uh, caster and camber and, and stuff like that. And uh, I, I just think it makes it awful tough on the tire supplier and Goodyear um, in this case. Dave, I appreciate it. Uh, I know Tim had to call you back because we wanted to get your opinions on just a couple different more questions tonight. I do appreciate you taking our call back to get those uh, questions in, and uh, I, I hope you have a good rest of your night out there. Thanks again. All right, yeah, it's no problem. I, I'm sorry. I thought we were done. So. <laughs> that's all right. But that's okay. It's no problem. Anytime. All right. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Steve and Dave Marcus there, a, a NASCAR legend. And I'm glad you hit on the ARCA stuff there. And you talked about the uh, about the aerodynamics you and uh, Dave. You know, nowadays, you know, they're trying to put that car slap on the bottom. And, you know, just like Dave mentioned, they're going to the real soft rear springs. They're trying to suck it down, but they're getting everything down low. And Dave brought up a good point there. You know, go back to the old style of race. And, you know, he said that was his opinion. So I want to let all of our listeners know that's Dave Marcus's opinion. Uh, that does not uh, reflect anything on NASCAR, but that was an awesome, very awesome question, Steve. Yeah, you know, I, I think that this is a question that just continues to come up. I mean, we had people like Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin. Those are the drivers that are in charge of the, the driver's council that, uh, you know, that are weekly that go and sit and they watch these instances such as, you know, the, the Timothy Peters incident, uh, the, the Timothy Peter accident that we saw at Texas, and they immediately go and they start criticizing the infield grass out there. Um, you know, we, we uh, had Kyle Bush go out there and others criticize the infield grass, um, you know, at Daytona, and they, they, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to go out there and put... Uh, you know, asphalt and 
you know, safer barriers down in the area where, you know, Kyle Busch, you know, in the Xfinity series ran into the wall at. Um, but at no point are we actually addressing some of the actual issues with the car. So, you know, we're spending money everywhere else, but we're not addressing the wholesale issue, which, you know, is also going to take care of some of the, you know, the issues that we're seeing in, in, in the racing per se. Uh, Dave, Dave makes some of the points uh, I, I think that we see, um, you know, fancy it at home. We saw it this past weekend at Pocono. Uh, at one point in the race, I mean, the spread between first and tenth was nearly 20 seconds out there. Um, there was virtually no passing. Uh, so, I mean, this isn't the Pocono that we used to see. Uh, you go back and you look at Pocono from, you know, the the late 1990s, early 2000s, and you did see passing there. You didn't see 22nd between 1st and 10th. I mean, you know, but this is this is a wholesale compounding issue, and aerodynamics is starting to come and be a, is, is, is a forefront issue. And, you know, it's just we can't place blame on the infield grass or dirt because dirt and grass have been – uh, you know, a part of a racetrack since you know the 1940s when we were when the sport started racing on dirt and grass. Uh, I think we need to start looking at the car. Uh, I've, I've, my opinions are that's where some of the some of the issues are coming into play, and I think that's where, um, you know, some of the I think that's where the drivers' council, since they are holding so much. Uh, so much sway within the rules these days. I think they need to start looking in that direction. I think NASCAR at their R&D center, and I think others in the in the sport, need to start looking at the car. Um, it, it's obviously time to start looking at these things because I mean, what we, what we were just talking about um, just months ago, or even last year, where teams were putting um, ten thousand dollar fans. Underneath the car, underneath the hood, to suck the suck the car down closer to the racetrack, and as soon as one does it, they all do it in in an effort to keep air from going underneath the car. These are things that shouldn't be done. Um, these are these are things that are limiting the abilities of passing, and these are these are the problems that I think we're having within the the car design itself, and they can be potentially readily fixed, but it's going to take a wholesale concerted effort, I think, between a lot of people to to make the changes. I will agree, Stephen. And to add to your point there, uh, talk about everybody's trying to suck that car down to keep that air from getting under the car. Uh, I remember a few years ago, everybody was sort of our listeners, it's called the skew. When you skew your right side out to get that air on that, on that rear spoiler to get more downforce on it. And this year, you know, NASCAR went to that smaller spoiler. And uh, Dave Marcus brought up a great point too, Stephen. The way NASCAR are, are setting up everything, are setting up all these cars now, going through the rule book, saying, you know, it's got to be like this and that and this and that. And we've had a lot of tire failures. And I've never thought about it until Dave brought that up a while ago. It's putting a lot of pressure on the sidewall of the Goodyear Eagle. For, for, you know, if it's in the Xfinity Series, Truck Series, or the Cup Series, I did not think about it until Dave brought it up. And he's exactly right, especially the right side, putting that skew out. It's putting that air on that rear spoiler, like I said, which this year I don't have it brought up 
uh, what size it is, but it's a lot smaller than it was last year. And that's putting that downforce on it. And when they go in the corners with all that heavy downforce, it's putting a lot of pressure on the sidewall of that Goodyear tire. And Goodyear's engineers, they're doing all they can do, Stephen, to keep up with that. But, I mean, you know, you put that kind of pressure on a right rear Goodyear Eagle, sooner or later it's going to come apart. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have that. I mean, we, we heard that last year between the differences between last year and this year was um, the, the the reduction in downforce, if I remember correctly, was somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,100 pounds taken off the rear deck lid uh, because of the reduction in, in the, the, the the rear spoiler. I mean, that's a, that's a huge reduction as it is. And the and prior when they cut it down last year in the testing at Kentucky it was something around 900 pounds, so I mean overall we're down nearly 2,000 pounds of uh, of downforce on the rear of the car just in the last two nearly two reductions in that rear spoiler. So um, I mean. Ha, 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 you know, we've seen the help come in that aspect, but, you know, now teams have moved on to other areas of the car where they're trying to get the advantage at. Yeah, exactly, Stephen. And, Stephen, uh, we want to we want to thank Dave Marcus there, and I want to thank Johnny Ponder from Thunder927 uh, from uh, Camp Callers. He makes uh, turkey callers. I want to thank him for getting uh, Dave Marcus on with us tonight. And... I know you're a little bit under under the weather, and uh, I've had a lot, a couple of phone calls come in that I really need to get back with. But Stephen, I have the Michigan schedule. I do not have the Gateway Motorsports Park there with the uh, NASCAR Campbell Truck Series. But uh, Thursday, uh, the ARCA final practice will be uh, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. All times are Eastern. There's no radio or TV. Uh, Friday, uh, the Monster Energy Cup Series first practice will be at 11 a.m. to 12.25 p.m. MRN has your coverage. Fox Sports 2 has your uh, TV. Uh, Expanded Series first practice here at Michigan, uh, 12.30 p.m. to 1.25 p.m. Fox Sports 2 has your coverage. Expanded Series final practice, 3 p.m. to 3.55 p.m. Fox Sports 2 has your TV. There's no radio. Monster Energy Cup Series qualifying Friday, 3 p.m. to 3.55 p.m. Fox Sports 2 has your TV, no radio coverage. Monster Energy Cup Series qualifying, 4 p.m. Uh, MRN has your radio. Fox Sports 2 has your TV. The ARCA Corrigan Oil 200 will be Friday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. And then Saturday, your Monster Energy Cup Series second practice, 9 a.m. to 9.55 a.m. MRN has your radio. Fox Sports 2 has your TV. And then your Xfinity Series qualifying will also be Saturday, 10 a.m. Fox Sports 2 has your TV, no radio coverage. Let's go ahead and skip on down to the uh, Xfinity Series, Irish Hills 250, Saturday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, MRN has your radio, Fox Sports 1 has your TV. Green green flag is scheduled for 1.48 p.m., so it's going to be shortly after that with all the pre-race stuff. Go on down to Sunday. Uh, the Monster Energy Cup Series, Fire Keepers Casino 400. They're at Michigan. 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. MRN has your radio coverage. Fox Sports 1 has your TV. 
<sighs> Let me catch your breath. Do you have the truck, Stephen? I, I know it's a big uh, it's a big deal at Gateway Motorsports Park uh, this coming weekend. Uh, it's a uh, which Monday was uh, the Lyman Day, you know, which I'm gonna go ahead and say I am still a Lyman. Uh, I'm not doing it right now because I've had two back surgeries. But once I made a Lyman, you can't take that away from me. So it's uh, honor a Lyman weekend there at Gateway Motorsports Park, Stephen. Yeah, I do. I've got the I've got the gateway schedule. Still there? Yes, sir. I got you, bud. Go ahead. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the gateway schedule. Yeah. Um. So Saturday, uh, Gateway Motorsports Park out there. They uh, it's a one day, it's a one day show for them with the NASCAR. Camp World Truck Series going to come back to Gateway Motorsports Park. Uh, the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series 545 for Camp World Truck Series qualifying out there. Then at 8.30 p.m., NASCAR Camp World Truck Series driven for Lineman 200, uh, 160 laps, 200 miles for them at Gateway Motorsports Park. Uh, this is all on Saturday night, one-day show, and Moran has the call. Fox Sports 1 has your TV from Gateway. Stephen, thank you very much, and let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media, your website and everything. You do a great job. All of your uh, writers, go ahead and throw everybody out there, buddy. If you can remember everybody, you got a ton of them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Brett Winningham will be at Gateway this weekend, returning to the racetrack uh, to cover all the Camping World Truck Series uh, action. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's all I've got at the racetrack. That's the only only person I've got at the racetrack this weekend. All right, ten four. Stephen, thank you very much for being a part of everything. We're doing a great job till AM and the boys we said hello. And I hope you get to feeling better. And everybody uh check out speedwaydigest.com, one of the best websites uh for motorsports coverage that you'll ever see. And we will join you back here live from Talladega, Alabama next Tuesday night. I think Stephen Wilson might be working on something with uh Fox Sports analyst uh Mitchell Lambert Reynolds. Uh We will let everybody know if that comes through. But, uh, Stephen, thank you very much. Have a great rest of the week and great weekend of race coverage. We've got a lot going on. Also, it's Father's Day weekend. So, everybody, thank you, fathers. And uh, we'll talk at you next week, Stephen. All righty. Take care. All right. You too, bud. We'll talk to you next Tuesday night live from Dagan Nation. I'm Tim Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com. Mr. Stephen Wilson, like I say every week, See ya. My t-shirt in the hall Like a needle finds a groove Baby, we'll remember what to do To drown out
Turn loose from these 